Uh, hi everyone, welcome to the India Independent Films Podcast, where we talk about films and film writing. Uh, I am Pankaj Sasteva. I write on my blog, Dichotomy of Irony, and also contribute articles on the India Independent Films uh, India Independent Films website. I with me Rahul Desai, critic for the Film Companion and writer for many other publications. Uh, like always, we will cover two three topics in depth today. But before we begin, Rahul, how have the last few weeks been, and what's been your most memorable watch? Uh, yeah, my favorite question. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> the last few weeks have been um, great actually because I wasn't uh, watching a lot of movies or reviewing films. I was I was away traveling. It was my first break in a while. So um, so you know while I was there, I completely cut off from films in general, and you know I wasn't even checking Twitter, which is a big deal because. I didn't want to feel like I'm missing out on anything. Um, it, it was a very welcome break because uh, once I got back last week, uh, I started to catch up on bit of the stuff I I, I didn't end up watching. But just before I left, I watched uh, this film Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, and that was the I think the last film I reviewed before leaving. Um, it's it's my favorite film of the year, you know, across languages, across genres. Um, I, I can't recommend that one enough. It's it's a fantasy, surrealist, bizarre, absurd, um, and lovely action movie. Um, and and it just it it sent me you know on on holiday or whatever I was with a high. It's always important to do go go like that because uh, I was a little burnt out by the time I, I I was you know getting ready to leave. So I'm very happy I watched one of my favorite films just before leaving. When I came back, which is like a couple of days ago. I watched uh, Netflix's Athena, the French film uh, that everyone's been talking about for the last few weeks. Um, amazing film, uh, you know, technical masterpiece. Um, again, you know, I can't recommend that one enough. That too is one of my, uh, you know, topmost watches of the year. Um, I, I intend to write about it at some point, and I'm I'm glad I you know came back and watched it because my mind space might have been a little different if I'd watched it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know uh, that film is obviously it did very well at Venice, and you know everyone was talking about it. Uh, but mainly for the kind of um, for the way that film is crafted and for what it's trying to say, I think it's one of the most important films of the year as well. Um, yeah, so the, those two have been some of my favorite uh, watches in the last few weeks, and um, I, I did miss Vikram Veda. I did miss uh, PS One. A lot of Indian uh, titles I did miss, which I'm hoping to catch on, uh, catch up with before the end of the year, because I think the year end uh, list, uh, at least the conceptualizing for all of that is starting now. Uh, and we have to start like thinking about uh, how to go about it. Hi. I was curious about, I haven't watched it, but uh, I'll be waiting for your views on Chup. <laughs> uh, oh, because uh, <laughs> it's so, it's, I mean, so much critical, uh, you know, it's about critics and we cover so much about writing and critics. So I'll be very yeah. interested once uh, you watch it. Uh, I hope it comes out soon. Even I haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah, or uh, it will. I, I miss yeah. that one too. Yeah. Like, And everyone yeah. was like, you purposely left uh, when this <laughs> film was coming. I'm like, I wish I could plan my life like that, but it's not so. Uh, but yeah, no, it just looked like nice critic bait and, you know, it was waiting for us to watch it and sort of have an opinion. I am looking forward to, you know, whenever it comes in the streaming pack. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So now let me begin by asking, uh, you know, a little bit about your travels. So, Rahul, you know, you mentioned that 
you work so hard so that you can travel and you know writing also yeah. is a way for you to travel how did it come across and what is it about travel that uh, recharges you for your writing uh yeah great question i'm glad like we're talking about travel today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's still fresh in my head and mm-hmm. I, i i don't think the effect has worn off i'm still in sort of withdrawals right now mm-hmm. um so travel the thing is uh, see honestly like for that i'll have to tell you a little bit about my past or like how i grew up uh, while growing up um, like most indian families i think we we did like most middle class indian family we did a only like you know vacation traveling in and around the state that we are in and around the city or country we were living in we never really went abroad so i was always like my uh, like most indian kids my exposure or my my uh, you know sort of interpretation of abroad was done through films uh, through hollywood films or through you know yashtopra films where you see switzerland all the time i was like there is a world outside we never used to see it like my father is not a big traveler he used to only travel on work my mother Uh, has a travel bug in her but she hasn't had the opportunity to travel a lot though i can like i feel like whatever little uh, this restlessness i get to travel every like few months is uh, i think it's genetic and it is through uh, her because she has been you know she's had a very sort of adventurous life up until she had me and uh, and i think she used to really um even now like in the last 5 or 10 years she's traveled as much as she can around india not so much outside india but um, because we didn't uh, really travel outside india until age 25 or so i hadn't been outside like uh, for me traveling was always connected to how much of the world you can see and not just limited to what you're seeing in your country which most of us anyway do um I, so once i started basically you know getting slowly into my career i started like you know realizing that maybe with my own money if i save enough i can maybe see these countries that i've always been learning to maybe experience that there is more to the world than india because you know if you live in india your it's conditioned into you it's, it's almost beaten into your head that india is you know the be all and end all so i wanted to you know my friends who had started were with me in college had started working so they had professionally also started traveling and i was getting a little restless about it so uh, till 25 i hadn't gone anywhere and then one of my school friends uh, i found uh, i got in, back in touch with after many years he said that he was traveling solo to you know to southeast asia and you know why don't i join him will be a cheap trip so so that was my first taste of traveling back in 2010 i had gone to like okay. i think kuala lumpur and bali um and that's when something expanded in my mind because the thing is it's one thing seeing uh, these things happen in fictional films and you know that you have this very rosy sort of idea of how the world might look or how the world might treat you once but once i was actually traveling i realized that wherever i am going there are th- these places are actually homes to other people they are not destinations only to us who travel uh, and you know it's it sounds like a silly thing to say now but when you're young and silly uh, when you're young and stupid these things really don't occur to you until you actually experience it and you know as it turned out once i started traveling every year after that um, i got obsessed with europe because I, i don't know what it is um, i have no real explanation for that but it must be some of the films i grew up on or some of my favorite films like the before trilogy obviously because of the way it's been shot uh, the because of what it meant to a lot of us teenagers when we were growing up i think i got very obsessed with you know the the the, the myth of paris and the myth of vienna and the myth of a lot of europe so 
uh, once I started traveling Europe, I started realizing that my writing career on the side, like at least my film criticism career on the side, was um, was you know subconsciously getting informed by the kind of uh, trips I took or the kind of uh, people I met on my uh, you know during my experiences. Like the thing is, because I'm not a trained writer, I've never done a journalism course. Also, I've not worked in a newspaper or an actual publication in a newsroom. Uh, a lot of my writing as I said before, has been instinctive or been me trying to discover the language. Uh, what traveling did, at least without me, now I can look back and say, did it, I didn't realize while it was happening, was that it helped me express myself a little more confidently uh, through my writing. Because in my head, I was like, if you have the confidence to travel solo or to travel somewhere far away across the world on your own and plan your own trip, then there's no reason why you can't express your own opinions in your pieces in a particular way and you should not be scared about what people think about it or how people judge you about it because I was always a very reserved uh, person even while growing up I was always shy to express my opinions in classrooms or in family outings or in vacations I, I never wanted to get into confrontations or, or conflict so I would never express my opinion whatever I had but uh, traveling gave me the confidence to do so it also gave me the mental, the psychological bandwidth because I started understanding more about people as I traveled. And the more I understood about people, the more I started to look at films as people as well. And I think I mentioned this earlier also that my way of looking at films has been just that, like my way of critiquing films or or even digesting or consuming movies uh, has always been like that because I try to look at the film as a person and then sort of dissect the traits of a person that you you tend to be instinctive about uh, you know on a, on because I'm very good at reading people even though I don't express uh, my thoughts on people um, so I, I got to do that with films and um, and I think traveling went hand in hand very organically with how I grew as a writer because again as as, as I said there was no other way for me to learn I'm also not a big reader. So um, I never had the patience to sort of take a book and finish it. Uh, and and because of that, travel gave me the sort of education that maybe books might have given a lot of other people. Like I know a lot of people who've grown up reading novels, who, you know, who, who have great language skills, who speak well, who write very well. Uh, but a lot of their um, <clears throat> sense of writing is also, or the sense of storytelling is derived from uh, the fiction they've read growing up. Uh, for me, it's derived from the life I see on my travels and how I uh, observe people or how I look. I love people watching when I'm traveling. I love spending time at strange places with no agenda. Uh, I never always go to tourist places in, in a particular city. I always go to a random sort of, uh, you know, uh, ho sort of hole-in-the-wall bar or, or a cafe and sit and watch people, can watch people for hours. So, uh, you know, I think that has been my reading, that has been my education. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of, uh, it was also revenge traveling because I didn't grow up uh, traveling. So I was like, my parents didn't let, like expose me. Like I was a little pissed off about that, that, you know, we didn't go on vacations abroad like a lot of our other friends in different class brackets did. So I, when I started earning money, I started figuring out a way to save money to travel on my own and starting to beat the... Uh, perspective that only rich people can travel in India the, or only well-to-do people that is very false you know if, you, if you're smart about traveling I think anyone can do it so uh, the only one drawback is that I've not seen India enough because of that because whenever I get a chance to travel I decide to go abroad uh, and decide to see what lies like horizontally in the world rather than you know ex uh, uh, sort of see your own 
home country which tends to happen like in bombay i'm i'm like most of us live in the cities we live in we never tend to explore we right. tend to like travel around it so it's the same thing with me with the country as well right right and the thing about europe cafes is like one thing i saw was like they're designed in just a way to just sit outside and do people watching so you know yeah exactly. it's not like you are the chairs are not like uh, you know if we go to an indian cafe or even other like opposite they are lined together and people sit and just watch the screen they just watch yeah so like emily in paris i saw that you know how it is uh, that's interesting you know that brings me to the next question which is something similar to invention you know there were two films uh, queen and english to english and then there was this highway so uh, queen and english to english you know where the two women characters they go abroad and then highway sort of veeras or alia bhat's character she travels within india and i did this theory you know a lot of commentators said that they identified better with those queen and english to english um Mm. because you know the women went again that they gained a sense of confidence outside uh, <clears throat> did you feel that as well and do you think those are better films uh, um, yeah so it's obviously a different context right like all the films right. uh, i think you know i liked almost as all the films as much as each other yeah. very different context in highway of course she was abducted and then her mind sort of expanded right, because right. because alia bhat's character in that film came from such a sheltered rich delhi family uh, that she hadn't barely been out of her locality so she is like a lot of um, say when i was in zavier's college at bombay i saw a lot of towny kids like south bombay kids rich kids come to the college and sort of have their theories on life uh, based on their experience within that little south bombay little bubble that they lived in and within uh, and based on all the reading they did within that or the watching they did within that so alia but was that kind of character in that film she was so sheltered that even getting out of delhi and being put onto the sort of streets of himachal the mountains in himachal can be as um, enlightening an experience as uh, something like you know mm-hmm. going to uh, going on your own honeymoon alone to say amsterdam and paris in queen or in english language going to new york uh, for for the for the homemaker uh, so um, so yeah like the the philosophy at the core of all the films is the same right like what i said it's about the confidence thing it's about you know as cliche as cliche as it sounds it's also about finding a little about yourself finding a little uh, of yourself which you've never been given a chance to do when you're trying to survive in india itself you're too busy living uh, to even discover yourself or look at yourself in the mirror think about yourself uh, and the same goes for people in europe themselves you know when they are working in europe or in america or wherever in the west uh, i say a lot of like uh, i take so many so many subway rides or bus rides all of them are so busy sort of living and i look at them very enviously saying if i was in their position you know i would have made the most of where i am and this and that but it's easy to say that because even they for them that is their india that is their uh, sort of um, that is their local that is their home ground uh, so they don't look at the places they live in the as exotically or as enviously as i do uh, and i think um, that that's the thing about um, something like traveling because as you you know europe is designed in a particular way one one thing uh, and like it's the same like himachal right you have to r- drive through through those mountains or you have to sort of be in the outdoors to realize um, to sort of realize what 
sort of world lies out there and it's the same in europe it's a walking continent right it's designed to make you walk and not really go in cars it's not really a car thing like india is and so because of that you see a lot more than you might have bargained for and that uh, can overwhelm you at times that can also teach you so much uh, uh, that can also teach you so much at times and and for me uh, I, i feel like europe has always come closest to um, to sort of uh to sort of just making me grow as a person because uh, very early on in my travels that exoticism that fetishization that most indians do about europe was broken because i was traveling alone <clears throat> and i had to sort of find my way through a country that didn't speak my language uh so that that very early on that fear translates into some kind of confidence or some kind of uh, it, it translates into some kind of own your own language of like you know moving through a continent or a country and uh, and that's a nice thing to own to have control over your own fear to have control over your own um, over your over the way you want to sort of expand your mind is a great thing and i feel like it's of course europe is more accessible than say south america or new zealand or australia but uh, but i feel like there's also so much that pop culture has really embedded in us about the west about the way we look at these countries um that it's always nice to go there and see that these are actually real places and it's just that movies have made them look like movie places and one of my favorite things to do while traveling is all obviously track down movie locations which i did throughout my early years but there has been a change you know since the pandemic like this was my first europe trip after the pandemic which i did like a couple of weeks ago and um, and the differences like i i had even tweeted when i was there that i used to track down movie locations but now i'm sort of tracking down locations of my own previous travels because now i'm repeating countries i'm repeating places but i'm looking at them the new perspective it's like doing a retake of a film right after many years and for me that tells me more about myself than the place itself thanks so you know you mentioned it a little what's your favorite before series <laughs> um my favorite before film um i mean you know they they are such a um, it's it's one of the greatest trilogies ever made like you know beyond going beyond that romantic genre going beyond like the cult status it has gained amongst millennials and amongst uh, film lovers alike um, i feel like the third one before midnight is probably the best because it's the most uh, <clears throat> it shatters all your illusions about the first two and it 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 shows that even films and even stories can age the same way that you do as a person and because the characters have aged after having this whirlwind fairy tale once in a lifetime romance back when cell phones weren't there back when you know emails weren't there uh, just based on chance and you know like uh, happenstance um after teaching an entire generation that it's possible to dream and it's possible to have these very uh rosy uh, rose tinted sort of um perceptions of romance and that you can find love sitting on a train in europe or whatever it is or walking through a city the third one really brings us back down to earth saying you know the 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 sort of final act or the 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 adult part of every marriage of every relationship is more or less the same no matter how you started them and for me that's a very mature very risky thing to do also very mature and very pragmatic and very Uh, authentic thing to say in before midnight and that's what jolted so many of us to see both of them fight with each other the way they do in the third film to see them unhappy with each other after spending say 20 years together having a starting a family 
you sense he's cheating on her you sense there's been infidelity they've been fighting but again they make do with each other like companionship is you know give and take and uh, they they make such a universal uh, statement about love and companionship and, and about how we perceive it uh, according to the age we uh, sort of grow up in that i felt like the third third film really did justice to what the first two films did okay yeah because i remember you written a uh, whole piece on um the third bit <laughs> uh oh, it's yeah. on available on uh, news 9 live so anybody who is interested they can read that bit okay um where would you place um zindagi na milegi dobara as a film in zoya akhtar's filmography uh yeah i'd i'd place it actually right at the bottom um that that's not to say it's not a good film or anything it was my least favorite film when i watched it i'll be honest i didn't like it very much when i watched it very it felt like very you know first world traveling find yourself thing like uh, almost a lot of oblivious thing like where you have like one like you have three friends from you know different walks of life reuniting going on a very very expensive spanish trip um which really like and as it turned out i had done uh, i did the trip i did a trip to spain my first trip to europe was spain um and it was 6 months after the film released and when i traveled it was obviously very different and it was very economical and very like i was i, I as i still do i sometimes live in hostels and uh, stuff like that so when i watched it i felt like it was a very like synthetic look at traveling and synthetic look at how say upper class india views traveling like this is how they take road trips through a foreign country irrespective of the classes they come from like farhan akhtar was quite clearly his character was not as well to do as the other two and yet you know you see him join it and i've done group trips with my friends and i know that economical differences can crop up during traveling because you come from different not only different countries you come from different class backgrounds and you come from different ways of spending money while traveling so all of that you know you have to once you learn to take that on a chin on your chin while watching a film like zindagi na milegi dobara i feel like it's a fairly um enjoyable sort of little uh, uh, you know little nut nutshell of friendship and of 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 sort of bonding and male bonding and you know i didn't relate to it personally but i still like rewatching it from time to time not just because it's technically a traveling film or it technically uh, puts into perspective all those all those 90s bollywood films that went through you know went through europe and treated it as this exotic location it puts into perspective that part but uh, i i still think that uh, it's probably uh, it's probably a film that's closest to Joyakta's own maybe childhood or background as someone growing up in a a, a privileged family uh, in a very famous bollywood family as well so you know uh, i just felt like her other films were much better and because she was trying to be more ambitious with other films i felt like zindagi na milegi dobara might have been the easiest film to make even though it was like three men that she was talking about like imagine a male filmmaker making a film about female bonding now we see how we look at it these days and it's more often than not it's very hollow and very performative uh, but i feel like she did a fairly good job of like getting into the male psyche and that comes from also being a woman in an indian household when you're growing up or a girl in an indian household because it's always a patriarchal society it's always all about the men so i think she has a better understanding of 
like male bonding than most uh, male filmmakers do because we've seen a fair amount of we saw Love Ranjan make his films at the same time start his career at the same time back then uh, but i feel like zoe actor got into the psyche of men and of um, of the way a lot of us tend to view each other and tend to get along with each other better than a lot of other films i, I and you know i i i'd say that it's probably the only zoe actor film i've rewatched a couple of times not because i've sought it out because it's just been going on somewhere and i i was like okay this scene was nice this scene was nice uh, the rithik and farhan sort of fight scene i go back to uh, time and again just to first of all admire rithik's performances uh, performance in that film but also because you know um, because nobody sort of crafts a confrontation scene like zoe actor in mainstream hindi cinema nice what's your just out of curiosity what's your number one <coughs> Uh, Zoe actor film. Uh, yeah, I I'd say it's still a first film luck by chance. Um, yeah, like uh, Gully Boy came very close. I love Gully Boy. I think it's the best mainstream Hindi film made in the last five years. But luck by chance is is really your first film is always you know your riskiest film, your stupidest film, and it's also your bravest film. So I I thought it it's the best film about the industry about films uh, that we made in a while. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Doug Pasans is so good. I, every time I watch it, you know, I also feel like, how did she think about, you know, these things? And it only come from a place of because she's lived through it. Yeah, lived uh, through it. And you know, she spoke about nepotism much before. Yeah, it's <laughs> for everyone else. Right? Yeah. Like, there are some lines in that film. If you put now on Twitter, it'll blow yeah. up. Like, yeah. you, you, you might go to jail. but uh, it, yeah it was as you said you know very informed and authentic to who she was right. okay uh, <clears throat> my next question is you know live mint uh, did a whole series where they spoke to writers about uh, their place of writing okay so uh, they would ask like what does your writing room live uh, look like so would you imagine like do you think that for, for like would a cafe be you know a lot of people say i would like to live near a cafe and write or do you think that place impacts where you are like that is the writing impact your place i mean if so the thing is i've never like really been conditioned to romanticize writing i know a lot of people who like you know who almost dream of writing on a typewriter with a glass of whiskey next to them or a cigarette next to them and and looking outside a window at a desk uh, looking outside a great view and that's there are people who are more obsessed with the idea with the with the with the performance of writing than writing itself and i get it if you grow up in a particular generation and you've been fed a certain amount of pop culture that's how you think of writing i see a lot of younger journalists these days think of writing like that and i mean it's a little worrying but then uh, there's all, all at the same time there are a lot of uh, good uh, writers who don't really take into account all these things like for when i was like when i started writing like a decade ago uh, when i started writing regularly and professionally for me just writing was a privilege you know or being being able to make a living out of writing was so the last thing that occurs to you is where you write it can be in a, on your desk at home which i mostly do it can be on my couch which i mostly do uh, i don't like writing in cafes uh, or outside my home as such because i've always been a work from home person and never liked offices so for me home is my office my 
my space of like ideating my space of thinking uh, but I, i i will say that a lot of my best ideas especially for my columns you know reviews you can't get ideas as such but for my columns that i've been doing like for over 6 years now uh, a lot of those ideas and a lot of essay ideas come from when i'm outdoors or when i'm doing something that's not in my home you need to get outside a little especially because i'm an introvert and i like staying at home um, it's not so much for me where i'm writing it's about where i'm thinking more than writing uh, and where you're thinking obviously thinking is a big part of writing and where you're thinking or ideating is matters and for me i think a lot of my ideas come when i'm doing some physical activity like i'm i i've been swimming for 10 or 11 years which has gone parallel with my writing career like when i started swimming regularly like 10 or 11 years ago to get some kind of physical exercise it's the only one i've done for a long time um that's when also a lot of my writing took off so like i like traveling uh, the way uh, i do a lot of my thinking when you're in rhythm when you're in a particular rhythm for a lot of people it's jogging or running for a lot of other people it's walking uh, uh, so so for me it's always been in the outdoors that i've really chanced upon um chance upon the ideas i'd like to write about and uh, it's because i need to be in a particular rhythm or need to be when i'm traveling i don't think about writing as such only when i come back i i think about these things but uh, i only like e- even during the pandemic the pools the swimming pools were closed and uh, you couldn't do a lot so i used to start going up and down the staircase in my building that was my exercise but a lot of my ideas even then came to me while i was going up and down like and the it's the advantage is twofold first of all you don't realize how tired you're getting while doing it and secondly you are actually working you're finding an extra hour or extra half an hour to to work in your head and work out at the same time and for me that's been a very big part of who i've been as a writer uh, you know uh, i'm never worried when i'm going for example leaving the house to go to the swimming pool right now which is right like 10 minutes away from my house uh, i'm never worried that when i'm going i'm actually not meeting a deadline or not working at home or not writing on my laptop i'm actually then you know looking forward to it because i was like okay then i can think about my piece or my review while i'm swimming and maybe i'll come back with a fresher perspective so for me it's about been thinking more than where i'm writing or anything uh, i've see a lot of people writing in cafes i you know i respect that method too uh, whatever works it's individual and it's but i never romanticize that that entire sort of craft of writing because the last one year or so ever since i've gotten a couch that uh, that the mint uh, critic uday has left for me after leaving mm-hmm. bombay he left his couch for me uh, because he knew i like the couch so i i spend a lot of time on that couch and and writing a lot of my reviews earlier it used to be the desk where i'm talking to you right now but uh, now it's been uh, so it's it's a subconscious thing it go it differs from person to person got it thank you okay now let me ask about another topic which is horror films okay uh, <clears throat> has horror become too messagey or too political um i you know i'm actually a fan of horror becoming political uh, i'm actually a fan of horror trying to be more than just like dumb scares of course it's nice to look back at old school horror nostalgia you know this Halloween Friday the 13th and types and jaws and you know what a bunch of the films we've grown up on have been pure horrors and i get it it's nice to look back on old things and be like you know those were the days but you have to change also with the times you know the world is in a different place right now your countries are in different places uh, i'm not saying all horror films 
need to be political, need to be socially relevant. But the ones that organically do so, I find great admiration for. Like the ones whose world building is based in a particular kind of political messaging or a particular kind of opinion, whether it's, you know, right or left or whatever it is, whether it's centrist, I don't care. But as long as you do something more than just jump scares in your horror film, the bar is low now because, you know, we, we, we aren't great at making horror films across the world, not just India. Um, as long as you do something more than just what horror films are perceived to be, I, I feel like it's always a bonus. It's an advantage because some of the uh, some of the more talked about horror films in the last 10 years have been the polit- ones with political messaging, the one with cultural authenticity or relevance. And I like that. It adds a different dimension. Like I recently watched a serial killer film on Netflix um, that actually also was commentary about Brexit Britain uh, and which I have not much knowledge of. But I found that it was, I found that I liked the film more because it was saying something through something as done to death, no pun intended, as a serial killer plot, right? Uh, because it's so easy to make a slasher film like Scream. I used to be a, such a big fan of the Scream franchise back in the day. Uh, but you need to be smarter now because even, I guess, we've also grown up. We've grown up into adults, thinking adults with opinions. So I always like when a film speaks to me, uh, not just through its visual language or its craft and when it's trying to say something. I guess that's maybe the person who I am or maybe because I'm a film critic, I want some more intellectual engagement from the film. But um yeah, there are some films that tend to go overboard with its messaging, but more often than not, the horror films do it smartly uh, or better than others because there's a lot of subtext that horror filmmakers can use with the way they craft their films and the way they build their worlds. Um, and it's done, I find it done smarter than, say, an all-out social message drama or comedy or a family drama like Bollywood tends to do. So I feel like, you know, Hindi cinema especially has been missing the bus on like socially relevant horror films. Uh, but at some point, I guess, you know, this horror comedies is a big thing here. And, uh, and you know, it, the ways three started this deluge of horror comedies or whatever it is. But I, I still don't think those, that genre is as uh, sophisticated as say, um, something like Under the Shadows, you know, which we saw like five or six years ago. And tell such a contemporary story about Iran and as well be historically relevant uh, through something as simple as a supernatural film. And I'm not even a big fan of supernatural dramas, but that film really like rooted me into my chair for those two, two and a half hours. And um, yeah, so for me personally, I, I kind of like that direction it takes as long as it doesn't mix things, other genres like primary genres like comedy or like there used to be the Horex film like Horror and Sex, which Bollywood was very infamous yeah. for. Uh, I just feel like it should be organic and, you know, um, that'd be, as long as it's honest to who the filmmaker, to what the filmmaker is trying to say, I think it's, it, I'm always up for it. So what's your favorite Hindi <clears throat> film, horror, recent, anytime? Uh, my favorite Hindi film, horror, mm, good question. I, I don't think we made a good horror film in a long time. Like, I remember, um, I sort of remember like really growing up on old school horror. Like uh, I think it was that Madhuri Dixit film 100 Days or mm-hmm. what was it? I think 100 Days. So that as a kid had a very deep impact on how I viewed horror. Uh, I of course like many Indian kids grew up on Z horror show and that for me was the pinnacle of horror. So for me, my, I was a big fan of old school horror and 
I think uh, Ram Gopal Verma's Khan and as well as Bhut were very very well made horror films, and I I don't think we've uh, really you know gone back to films like that because now it's all about horror films that are made now are almost like they are made uh, keeping in mind horror films that have come before them. They are derived from the genre itself. They are not derived from life or original ideas anymore. They are derived from like. uh uh self referential uh sort of um by by sort of geek geeky filmmakers who are big fans of the genre themselves i mean you can be that like guermo del toro for example but you need to also have a understanding of filmmaking itself um i, I remember also seeing um, i don't know for some reason i think i saw, saw vastu shastri in a theater with my friend i was going through probably a low phase then i was in college uh, and i was just scared out of my wits while watching that film in in a hall and it was a fairly empty hall so that film watching experience of vastu shastra <clears throat> it really stayed with me of course i learned of the trouble legacy of that film much later but uh, but yeah i have just a very few handful of horror films that have really managed to scare me or even affect me on a visceral level over the years uh, hindi films haven't been up there though got it um how do you think about dumbar is it overrated <laughs> because every time i ask you every time a conversation comes is like everybody says you have to watch dumbar dumbar it's an indian horror yeah uh, and i know you didn't fully like it but i'm yeah, just yeah. curious <laughs> about dumbar <clears throat> yeah no no wait to put me on the spot about dumbar <laughs> because i think i was in the minority about dumbar like i i liked it but i did not think it was earth shattering like most people still like really maybe i need to watch it on the second time maybe my headspace wasn't right but then that self doubt you know like i will take my first impression of that film as my final impression i think it's a good film i think it's a very original film that can be you know that for me is sort of as far as you can go as far as indian cinema is concerned like we uh we we fall into that trap of you know making films based on other films and i feel tumbar is so rooted in the way we look at indian mythology the way we look at folklore the way we look at a lot of things <clears throat> that are rooted in hindu culture also um uh, and the, i like the way it subverts that and the way it imagines that but i still felt like tumbar wasn't as i mean world building apart and the the, the originality apart I, i don't think it was as coherent as it might have been in its more in its raw form like tumbar as we know went through a very big trouble like long troubled making process you know conflict between directors uh, other director uh, you know anand gandhi <clears throat> took over whatever happened with tumbar through its scripting process uh, rai anil barve through and through whatever it became eventually i felt like a bit looked like it was compromised Uh, a bit of the screenplay a bit of the coherence was compromised in the process because i i didn't find myself being blown away by what i was seeing on screen simply because the storytelling for me was uh it relied too much on the crutch of atmosphere and it relied too much on the crutch of its visual imagery and beautifully shot and beautifully imagined and uh, even the visual effects were great but uh, uh, you know there has to be more to a film than just the idea and just how it's realized on screen uh there has to be some sort of heart at the core of the film and i didn't feel that entirely with tumbard you know my opinion may change down the line if i watch tumbard in a 
down the years but uh, i watched it on the big screen like everyone else was and i i i think i'd say i you know i dare to say it's a little overrated um now that you know we've seen the reception towards sumbal uh, i'd say it could have been a far better film if it wasn't if it didn't go through that entire sort of very troubled making process i felt like i saw a lot of things uh, and i i also saw a bit of the original storyboarding of tumbar that looked a lot more fascinating than what we finally did see on screen and uh, yeah i mean but i won't complain about tumbar being a foremost sort of hindi or indian horror sort of genre vehicle in, in the last 10 years because it's it's really good world building and i know we are suckers for that and i and i know uh, we don't make enough films based in uh, sort of indian folklore and that understand hindu folklore like it it did but i i really like the film just like i liked uh, pari more than most hindi mainstream hindi films that i've seen in recent memory you know that is the one film i again i was in the minority and i think i liked it more than most others did and i didn't understand a lot about bengali folklore a lot of lot about the subtext in the film prositroy being a bengali himself quite clearly uh, sort of really poured his culture into the film as well um, but for me it was just very moving to watch and i think it's anushka sharma's best performance in her career i don't think much of her as an actress but i thought that she uh, is a big risk taker as a producer and that that is the one film that showed in as an actor and pari for me also would be you know right up there and how do you evaluate your relationship with m night shyamalan because you're a big fan i know hmm <laughs> <laughs> I will evaluate my relationship. Uh, what is it about him that uh yeah fascinated you? I mean like most people I think <clears throat> the fact that he's like the, his first two or three or four films actually for that matter I mean I know his the M Night Shyamalan twist is a gimmick but I believe it takes great skill to make a film that doesn't reveal itself until the last 5 or 10 minutes and then that gives new meaning to your perception of the film after you watch it and it 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 is uh, it is a craft that you know we've lost because the twist has become a gimmick now so many filmmakers do it badly <clears throat> of course m night shyamalan probably success got to that probably the way he was received as a indian origin filmmaker in the west uh, probably uh, also you know really diluted the way he sort of went about his craft in the later years but i just admire the fact that he sort of reimagined horror uh, <clears throat> in a way that might have um, that might have uh, engaged like like i was a kid when i saw six sense and you know unbreakable and all but it, it engaged us on such a narrative level on such a raw level uh, and the fact that you're looking forward to it was trying to guess it but never get it right i thought it was done on a very non gimmicky level very organic level i thought they uh, <clears throat> i thought um, it always went hand in glove with uh, a lot of the story that was being told and i thought he was a master of his craft like the way he crafted atmospheric horror i still think there's something in him but you know we'll come to <laughs> we are, I, that's a sore topic because i don't think he's made a good film in a long long time um but i did like i mean six sense obviously was his breakout but i uh, unbreakable uh, and science science especially was a very big film for me it was my first year in bombay and for me that film really affected me psychologically more than most of his films did science the village i think a lot of his even for my, that matter lady in the water which was so 
you know so panned i thought it was a very smartly done sort of uh, fantasy fable a lot of uh, he took the kind of risk that no other filmmakers were taking at the time maybe a lot now it's sort of almost commercialized the way he goes about shooting horror uh, but i i think um, i think that's why i connected with him very early because he was the one filmmaker uh, in the genre that as a child um, that engaged with me directly like that interacted with me his films interacted with me directly and made me feel smarter than i was and that's a very special relationship you form with a filmmaker storyteller early on in your career for others it could be other filmmakers you know but for me it was someone as mainstream as a m night shamlan and uh, for that i'll always be grateful and you know even though he's not made a decent film in many years even i didn't even like old which i thought was like an incoherent mess even though the concept at a concept level is always still very good but i you know i i still think that you know um i i still have a very special relationship with this filmmaking i still rewatch his films from time to time did the lash work for you <clears throat> yeah i think we, uh, we we spoke about this earlier talash did work for me for most part but the problem with talash was that i watched it much later like i watched it like 2 years ago or something like a full like 5 or 6 years after it released so by the time i watched it i had already formed a sort of impression of it in my head because of the pop culture discourse around it because i knew that talash was one of those rare mainstream films that really went for it like most other hindi films of its generation did so i watched it i i was i fairly liked it but i i'd say i was underwhelmed eventually because obviously because of the end and because of because so much has been spoken about how the film sort of unfolds and what it makes about its end and the twist that comes but uh, but for most part as an atmospheric nice uh, sort of <clears throat> uh, hindi homegrown film i think it's uh, it's a good example to give if someone were to uh, were to talk about how supernatural horror uh, can be humanized you know within the constraints of the hindi film industry kalash did work for me but i'd say again the timing about when you watch a film is very important like as as a as a writer and as a thinker of films yeah okay now let's talk about another topic uh you know there is amitabh bachchan it's yeah. his 80th birthday uh today so i thought yeah. maybe uh it's his filmography is so vast but uh, any favorite films and performances that come to your mind when you think of amitabh bachchan uh yeah like i obviously his like my father was a big amitabh bachchan fan growing up so my my eventual love for amitabh bachchan or my following of him came through my father which is why i always love the fact that he's still around you know at 80 he's still going strong and doing the kind of work that a lot of our younger actors can only dream of doing uh, i i don't think i've met a more hard, uh, met uh, i mean i've known a more hard working veteran actor in not just in the industry but in the world as well so you know uh, for me also he means a great deal not as much as say a shahrukh khan you know because obviously he was our generation while growing up we had our own hero, own heroes but my learning of amitabh bachchan happened you know as i was growing up because i didn't watch a lot of his classics uh, you know diva rama rakbar anthony a bunch of them um, I, i didn't watch till i was well into my 20s um, and when i started taking interest in films as a profession that's when i started rewatching a lot of his uh, or watching a lot of his classics but for me a uh, very definitive childhood film while growing up because it was my father's favorite film as well was agnipath you know i know it's been remade with rithik roshan 
but i felt that for me that was my favorite amitabh bachchan performance people can accuse him of hamming or vaping godfather vaping scarface whatever it is but uh, I, i just i mean i was absolutely that was the moment i fell for amitabh bachchan as a kid because i watched agnipath within a year of its release i think or very close to its release i was just 5 years old or something or 6 years old and uh, just to see my father's reaction to the film uh and and then you know sort of participate in that family activity and then you know look at amita bachchan playing this this larger than life sort of gangster uh, uh in that film with the style he did for me that that really sort of uh, resonated and it stayed with me over the years that's why i never uh, got around to fully watching rithik roshan's you know agnipath because i never really could digest the fact that that film would be remade you know no matter how plagiarized the original might have been for me that film meant a great deal and it was my favorite amitabh bachchan performance for uh, many years you know even though i believe he's done he's delivered far better performances in the 70s as this you know angry young man stereotype but uh, uh, i watch a lot of his later films a lot of his earlier films for academic interest no not for passion sake so so i don't think any film resonated with me as much as agnipath because i was a child and um, and because of you know the how how brazenly stylish the film was and how his performance was um i do have a couple of favorite performances of his latter years when he came back you know once mopate sort of um signaled his comeback and kon banega karodpati gave him this third wind or whatever um i'm more familiar with that um, that part of uh, amitabh bachchan's career the senior part of his career and uh, uh, so i don't have nostalgia for his earlier parts so for me black was one of his definitive performances when he came back and i still stand by it you know people may say whatever about the film or about rani mukherjee or whatever but i i still feel like black and uh, i think king lear rituparna ghosh king lear was also a fantastic performance when I, at least when i watched it i've not watched it again watched it 15 years ago when it came out but i was blown away by how a superstar of his caliber could reinvent himself or could really throw himself into craft and find new ways to learn the craft because something as recent as goodbye which i reviewed last week i am not a big fan of the film i thought it was really manipulative but i thought amitabh bachchan's performance in that you know he's done things he's never done in his whole career with people like shahrukh khan amir khan uh, even ranveer singh for that matter you see trappings once they become superstar you see certain uh, go to tropes of how they use their face you know their facial expression the way they cry on screen the way they laugh on screen the way they move use their hands on screen uh, and those trappings are very difficult to escape but bachchan has consistently sort of because of his age probably because of the kind of roles he does because it's only craft for him right now i feel like he's gone past that stereotypical uh, perception of his voice you know the bachchan monologue and he's done something very different in goodbye the way his voice cracks the way he's grieving for his uh, late wife in the film um, the way he speaks in the film is so different from what i've seen in any film in his career and it's amazing that at age 80 that he found a new way to use that bachchan voice uh, after say more than 50 years of weaponizing that voice and making it into this this uh, this uh, iconic uh, sort of um, thing about our culture uh, about bollywood itself i think um, i was i was in great admiration of the way he went about a role in a medo in a film as mediocre as that of course he's become very prolific in the last 5 or 10 years uh, in the process you see a lot of bad films and bad performances as well uh, autopilot performances i'd call them but i've never not been engaged by an amitabh bachchan performance even 
in his old age you know even in a film like runway 34 even though he was overplaying that lawyer the voice role or in a film like pink or in in a lot of his films i've always been engaged i really liked his peeku performance i know a lot of people a lot of bengalis take umbrage you know, to his to the way he plays a bengali father but i really thought it was a fantastic performance even though deepika was a standout actor in that film um i i thought that was that was one of the better male performances we've been we've seen in the last 10 years or so so yeah like i i'm always in awe of the, his legacy more than the performances i see over the years because the fact that his longevity is really a thing to look up to for a lot of other superstars who are right now in their 50s and going into towards the 60s and 70s they need to get out of their bubble of playing the hero and start playing you know because amitabh bachchan went through that phase in the 90s you know he did, yeah. did a bunch of forgettable duds when he was in that awkward age between 50 and 60 he didn't know what to do was he a lead hero was he a character actor was he a father was he a grandfather i mean uh, even he went through that phase but he came out on the right side he came out on uh, he came out after he embraced his age and i feel like other than anil kapoor no other real big star has done that um, from the 90s so far and you know sharuk is coming with a bunch of again hero films um so so i i i feel like you know his career is a great thing is a great example in hindi film in hindi film in general uh, to look up to and his longevity makes him probably the biggest superstar of all absolutely uh you know uh you also like mentioned about khaki uh as one of his uh, mm-hmm. like you wrote a yeah. piece recently has mm-hmm. he lost his some of his political bite because of his political inclinations yeah uh, i i don't feel he ever had like like many other superstars <coughs> or indian superstars i feel like he always went with the side that the government was leaning on like when it was congress it was like he used to be outspoken like in khaki like he did roles like khaki but now that it's the bjp um it's like he's obviously i mean he's very like i i'm not a big fan of his twitter or the way he is as a person um, uh, the non committal sort of attitude that he like many other superstars take not a big fan of it and it tends to dilute my perception i i try not to let it dilute my perception of his performances his filmography is very difficult sometimes um but yeah of course he has lost by it and it's it was never there to begin with like hockey was a film of its time you know it was a film where filmmaking where hindi cinema was more outspoken more um uh, and you know more uh, sort of opinionated than it is right now because right now it's fear uh, you know sort of in the industry so i don't expect anyone forget bachchan to speak mm-hmm. his mind to speak their minds or or even convey their political leanings i just expect everyone to sort of uh lean the right way and right way more in more ways than one so uh, so yeah of course it's a great loss that someone like bachchan is so like so cloyingly centrist and so cloyingly sort of diplomatic when it comes to their political leanings when it comes to social messaging when it comes to saying the right things or doing the right things and i've always you know resented that about someone like him especially someone who's come from the 70s who's seen india go through such a process pre liberalization post liberalization how can a man like that have no uh, no personal beliefs no political beliefs so and that has always annoyed me about him and uh, you know i'll put that on record like i i think he's fairly spineless when it comes to that and like most of our actors have been over the years but that in in a way 
the films they do we take we try to take pleasure out of like the more personal films like they do like like pico or like goodbye or uh, stuff like that and we try to divorce it from our perception about them as people because we don't know much about them but we do know that they don't make use of their status the way they sh- should be can't blame them right now in the last 8 years but you know he could he could have done a far more than he he has uh you spoke about piku how about mirza as gulabo sitabo <clears throat> did you like that one i i uh, you know like mixed feelings about his performance in that film it almost felt like one of those rare instances where amita bachchan knew that he was playing um, an unrecognizable character so in a way it felt like he almost expected us to admire that performances based on his prosthetics based on how he lost himself in that character um i i thought it was a bit too quirky and idiosyncratic honestly like that performance um wasn't memorable or anything but the film itself was nice like i i i have some warm memories of the film i i have I, i admire that film for what it tries to do within the landscape we are right now and the very subtle message very sort of uh, very sophisticated sort of a uh, craft that it uses to make its message but i feel like bachchan did overplay that character a little um, because i think he had a fair idea of how he looked as that character or what he was playing um i, I thought it was it could have been a more politically brazen character as well but i don't think he did enough uh, to do so but i i think there is a sort of atmosphere of fear in general so i think he tried to sort of overcompensate with making it as uh, quirky as possible and i think it shows in the film because i don't think he was the best performer in that show and then finally is abhishek bachchan uh, bearing the burden of his father's legacy do you like abhishek bachchan as an actor i have never you know i've never had a like like most people i think i have i have always had a soft spot for abhishek bachchan ever since he came with refugee and all and i've been following his career very like you know uh very thoroughly over the years and yes of course there is a burden just like arjun yeah. tendulkar has a burden of being sachin tendulkar and there's no escaping it like it is what it is and there's so many mannerisms that are the same the voice the the way you know he's in awe almost in awe of his own father's legacy like most of us are you can't blame him um <clears throat> but there has always i feel like the kind of sincerity sincerity that abhishek bachchan has i don't think anyone in his position might have had like he's always uh, 